Hype Beast Radio. I'm Jeff Staple, and this is The Business of Hype, a show about creative entrepreneurs, brand builders, innovators, and the realities behind the dreams they've built. There are a lot of different approaches to starting a business. Some see a huge pie and want to get in on the action. Some want to make a name for themselves and stand side by side with other greats. Some are using the blueprint others first laid down, and others try to find their own unique take on an already cluttered market. But this week's guest on the business of hype, man, I have loved his business since day one. I'll tell you a little backstory. When I was in college, I was broke. Actually, I was worse than broke. I was in debt badly, and worse yet, living in New York City. Therefore, my main source of food was a place called Gray's Papaya. Now, some of you listening who have lived in New York might know about this place. It's a hot dog spot with an ongoing quote-unquote recession special, which features 99-cent hot dogs. I would take five bucks, get five hot dogs, and that was my lunch and dinner. But here's the genius of the business. They also sold a $3 papaya-flavored drink that was super sweet and delicious. Now, I couldn't afford that, but I knew that there was nothing better to wash down a salty dog than that papaya drink. And it dawned on me. The money here being made was not by the hot dogs. It was by the drink. They probably break even or even take a loss on those hot dogs. But can you imagine the profit margins on that papaya drink? Another example of an amazing business, inkjet printers. You know you can buy an inkjet printer now for less than 80 bucks? It will scan, fax, record voicemail, email, make photocopies, and of course, print. But you all know how it is. After you get that printer, you are a slave to those inks. So anyway, I always thought it would be genius to create a brand where a liquid was actually the product being sold. Now, in addition to all that, this week's Business of Hype guest is one of the few who have carved out his very own path. In a world of streetwear fashion and sneakers, with a million brands competing for the same attention, he was able to go into uncharted territory and stand alone in a fast and hectic industry. If you step into any sneaker shop, you will find on the counter his product. Matter of fact, step into any department store or design store or art supply store even a hardware store, and you'll find the ever-present and very popular Jason Mark sneaker cleaning kit. So how does a DJ and a gopher at an ad agency do this? Get ready as Jason breaks down his aha moment, the amazing experiences that led him to his first big wins, and the challenges he would face along the way. Everyone, welcome to the Business of Hype, Jason Mark. Thanks for having me in your studio, man. Oh, it's great to see you, man. It's been a minute. Yeah. I appreciate you uh, inviting me to do this. Of course. Uh, you have a beautiful office. We're in sunny downtown LA right now in your, in your studio. Um, and before we get too far into it, let's start with a proper introduction. Who do we have in the studio today? Hi, I am Jason Mark Anksvarn, and I am the founder of Jason Mark. Nice. So wait, what's your full name? <laughs> Jason Mark. My middle name is Mark, uh-huh. and my last name is Anksvarn. My dad's Thai. Oh, okay. Yeah. I didn't even ever know that, I think. Yeah, my I dad's... you are Filipino. <laughs> no, my mom's Filipino. Oh, okay. Yeah, cool. so I'm half Filip- 
Filipino and Thai. Okay, and Mark is your Mark is my middle real name. Middle name. Yeah, real middle name, but it has one K. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Jason Mark has two Ks. Yeah. So. Yep. And um, so you were you always known as Jason Mark, or that was just for your brand? That was just for my brand. Okay. Cool. Nice. Uh, and for those who don't know, um, what is uh, what is Jason Mark? So Jason Mark is a uh, shoe care line, premium shoe care line. Um, we have uh, you know different products to take care of your sneakers, and we have two uh, flagship stores mm-hmm. at the moment: one here in downtown LA, and one in London, off of Carnaby Street. Mm-hmm. Um, we offer a service, a drop-off service there, so it's like dry cleaning for shoes. Yep. And uh, yeah, I mean, we we sell shoe care products, but I think through the years it's it evolved into more of a, I hate the word of like lifestyle brand, but it's yep. just, it's just, uh, it's evolved into more than just um, shoe care products. Yeah, definitely. And I think um, if any of the listeners here are at all into sneakers whatsoever, they probably at some point have wanted to clean their sneakers. Uh, and you would have most likely at some point in the last decade stumble upon your brand, right? It's, it's really become like, uh, a integral part of the entire mm-hmm. street sneaker culture mm-hmm. ecosystem, wouldn't you say? Yeah, it's it's been amazing. Like I, uh, I don't think I ever knew that it would be what it is today. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I'd say that's pretty accurate. Yeah, know? yeah. Have you ever taken a like a statistical Venn diagram study of like people who consider themselves sneakerheads and? own Jason Mark like I would assume it's like nine out of ten sneakerheads I would hope so trust Jason Mark I would hope so I mean I I, we've never done that before (laughs) um but yeah we've been around for a long time Mm -hmm. um and I think that we've earned the trust of uh of the sneakerheads and whoever uses our products yeah um let's go back to the beginning real quick and I want to go back first from your personal career, like what were you doing before you started Jason Mark? And also, what was the landscape, the competitive landscape of cleaning? Like if you had sneakers and you wanted them cleaned, what options did you have? What did you see that was like a white space with an opportunity? You know, So what were you doing first and foremost? Before Jason Mark, I was working at an ad agency. Okay. Um, I was fresh out of college, I graduated with a business admin degree with marketing. Okay. And I just, I ended up um, at an ad agency because I thought, like, that was probably the coolest thing. I, I really didn't know what I was doing um, or what I wanted to do. Yeah. Yeah, I started working at, the, I got an internship um, at this ad club and did that over the summer and then got a job at a real, like, big shop mm-hmm. in Santa Monica and I started out as uh, the floater, um, which is what, which is like basically like it's going to sound really bad, but it's basically like a glorified intern. Like you're you're on payroll, uh-huh. but you just like float. Do so whatever <laughs> someone asks you, I to could do. be answering. I I'm not even I'm not even kidding. Like for the first I don't even know how many several months I was the receptionist. Okay, I was answering phones, mm-hmm. and then they would send me to like. Oh, you're gonna go to broadcast and work with these guys, and then you're you know you're gonna stuff envelopes with the account team, mm-hmm. and so and I didn't mind because yeah. I was like, 
I have a job and whatever. Right. Like, I, it's actually in some ways maybe it's a good way to learn. Hundred like, percent. Everything. I, I'm so great. Like people shit on that job, and I always uh-huh. say like if people want to get into that world, the floater is a great position if you um, you're unsure of what you want to do, and then you know you just experience all the different things. And you know the reason one of the reasons why I didn't care as much is because I was also DJing. Um, and that <laughs> okay. was where my income, you know, like, oh, okay, you're making cash. Yeah. That was like, you know, so I was just like, whatever you were DJing in the clubs and would, in clubs in like just mobile gigging. Mm-hmm. Like I've been doing that since I was 15. That is where entrepreneurship started for me mm-hmm. unknowingly. Yeah. Yeah. I was just doing it and getting paid. And I, that was the, one of the probably greatest times of my life. Yeah. Uh, that age, right. You've got your crew. We're throwing all age parties. We're we're charging at the door. Mm-hmm. We're like partying, right? Rocking the party, and we're yeah. getting paid, right? Like what? what Rockstar life. Yeah. What else could you want? And every weekend we would do this, and then after the gig, you go to Denny's and like whatever. Best. Like it's the best with your homies best. and yep. like. So, um, Wait, I, what was your DJ name? Well, J Boy. Okay, <laughs> that's like my childhood nick nickname. Okay, so and uh, you had a crew. I had a crew. And what was the crew's name? <laughs> the, we had many names, but the one that <laughs> stuck was Mood Swing. Oh, nice. Emo. <laughs> it, okay. is, it was the emo name. But um, <laughs> yeah, we like DJing, you know, I thank DJing for everything. Wow. It was that impactful of my life. Like, yeah. this is, I wouldn't be here uh-huh. doing this without DJing. Damn. For sure, 100%. That's crazy. And I didn't realize that until like maybe a, three or four years ago. I was just re- reflecting one day, uh-huh. like, how the fuck did I get here? Yeah. Look at this shit. Like, I got employees, I got all this shit. Like, how did I get here? And I, I traced it back, and I'm like, dude, DJing was it for sure, hands down. Which aspect of it? Well, it was beca- the entrepreneurial okay. aspect of it. So the hustle. Like, negotiations, yeah. rates, bookings. Yes. All, it's like a mini business. It is. Yeah. I, I didn't realize it at the time, but we were. that's what we had to do, like, you know, whether you're booking a venue, mm-hmm. like you hustle, like you, we throw all age parties. So obviously there's a huge like liability there. So we'd always be like, yeah, it's like a, you know, a, a birthday party or mm-hmm. something. And, and then, you know, whatever, if we're getting booked, it's like, we'd always, when, when we first started, it was like, we would do shit for free because we sucked. Yeah. And then, and then as we got better, we learned to kind of know our worth. Mm-hmm. So we'd be like, we'd just try and be like, yeah, the night's going to cost 800 bucks. Yeah. And most people will be like, what? Some people will be like, cool. Right. And, oh, and shit. we were just like, we could charge that much now. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh shit. Um, but yeah, I think what it did for me was it showed me that I could do something that I love and enjoy and make good money. Mm. And the whole time, like the whole time I was DJing at the age of 15, um, I started working too. Cause I, I don't know. It's not like my parents had forced me to like get a job or anything, but I think um, it was my parents' work ethic that I saw growing up that mm-hmm. I just, I just, I was 15. I just got my license or driver's permit or whatever, and I just wanted to get a job so I could have money. Yeah. So I started working in the mall at the whole time DJing too. Right. And what's funny is, is like my part-time job, um, it, I would make more DJing a party over the weekend. Yeah. Nice. Okay, so um, going back to like, you've come to this realization at your full time corporate job at the agency now that you're like, you basically saw the matrix. 
Like you took the the blue pill and you're like, oh shit, everything could fall apart. What am I putting in these mm-hmm, hours mm-hmm, for? Mm-hmm. And now you want to start your own thing. Mm-hmm. Was the first thing that came into your head sneaker cleaner? No. <laughs> okay. So how did you, what were some of the other things and how did you land on that? Well, I, I came across this book um, that changed my life. It's called Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Mm-hmm. Robert Kiyosaki, I think the author is. I don't know how I came across that, but I read it. And um, it basically, it just instilled in me, like, not to be, not to be fearful, to, to kind of, like, go for it. Mm-hmm. But it also, like, um, it, after I read that book, I had, like, a different lens looking at things. Like, I was like, okay. Like, I consciously would go through life just being like, okay, well, I've got this lens on. And when you spot opportunities everywhere, mm. right? But if you're not looking for it, then you're not going to see it. Mm-hmm. So like I, after I read this book, I just had that lens on and then I was just looking for like an opportunity. Yeah. Like, and okay. Yeah, so you're so looking for an opportunity. I was looking like, okay. what can I do? I don't know like mm-hmm. what I'm going to do, but I want to start my own business. And, um, and then one day I was cleaning my sneakers at home and Legit, I was, you were just cleaning your sneakers yeah, using what? Just like uh dishwash water, dishwashing soap <laughs> okay. and like some OxyClean and a toothbrush. Okay. And I was cleaning my sneakers and I was like, I've been doing this for many years, keeping uh-huh. my shit clean, but I always do this. Like, why am I not, why isn't there a product that I just use? Mm-hmm. And there, there was shoe cleaner yep. on the market. It's not like I invented shoe cleaner, mm-hmm. but it was the stuff that was super generic that you can find at Foot Locker or the yeah. mall or whatever. Which they try to upsell you when yeah. you buy a pair of shoes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you want socks all, cleaner? All the time. And it had like... The, spiky. the plastic spiky brush at the top. Yeah. yeah, it was that. Super sharp. Yep. Um, and we've all used it. But yep. I, I think, like, for me, personally, I just didn't trust it. Yeah. Because it was this foam shit, and, like, I didn't know what... I'd rather make my own totally. at home. And, yeah. Um, I think everyone had that experience where, like, they tried it, but they never stuck. Like, I don't know yeah. anyone that swears by it. That cap is crazy. Yeah. <laughs> it's, like, <laughs> it's like a lice remover, like, or something, you know, like... Um, yeah, so I think that was my first like mini aha moment. Like, oh shit, like okay. okay. I've done this so many years, but I never thought about it. And then when I had that lens on, I was like, bam, there, like I could do th-. so I started what I did was I I, my, I took my advertising experience and started mm-hmm. like doing quote unquote research in the field, right? Like I'd go like to like sneaker like my local sneaker shop was proper in Long Beach. Oh, cool. I always go there. I knew Dubs, who was like the manager at the time and like um, and my homie Pudge was working at uh, th- this store next door to it, and I would just go there and always, like, whatever. So I'd go there and talk to them and be like, hey, what do you use to clean your sneakers? Like, I wouldn't tell them I'm starting something. Yeah. And, you know, he would tell me, like, oh, use this and that. It was like a remedy. Uh-huh. It wasn't Homemade a product. Shit. Yeah. 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 So then I was like, okay, well, these are just, like, two people. Like, let me go. So I went to a sneaker lineup. I think it was at, like, I think it was at Blends. <laughs> wow. And there was this this lineup uh-huh. i don't know what she was dropping but uh-huh. i just started going up to kids like in line like hey what do you use to clean your sneakers and pe- they would just be like oh dude you gotta you gotta get a, a white tip eraser and you gotta do this and that remedies <laughs> right. everybody had remedies right, right. nobody was like use xyz product uh-huh. so that's when i was like oh shit like i'm on to something here okay yeah. interesting yeah so then um were you were you interested in the fact that this business was like um did you work out the numbers in your head were like... Hell no. <laughs> okay. No. You weren't like, wow, this is really low bar, like low... No, like, none of that. Okay. None of that. I just wanted, I just wanted to do my own thing. Like <laughs> I didn't... 
I didn't um, care about the money. The business plan. Yeah. Nope. Well, I wrote like a, I did put together a, a little business plan. It was like probably three or four pages long. Mm-hmm. It was a presentation because I needed to raise money. Okay. And I did that. Um, so I put together this presentation and did some research. I remember I was at the agency still and I used their expensive like research subscription that they pay like $50,000 for. And I was like pulling up figures of like how big shoe market is and all this Uh shit. I put together like a pretty proper thing. Then what I did was I, um, I invited my, my siblings over to, I was living with my parents. Okay. So I invited them over. I invited my, like my favorite aunties and uncles. And I was like, I'm going to cook you guys dinner and you guys should come over. Uh And they were, they knew something was up. Right. But they're like, oh, here comes Jay again with this, like, because I was already heavy DJing at this time. So they yeah. knew, like, I was like hustling already. Yep. So they come over, I cooked them some like dinner. And I was like, okay, everybody, like, follow me. I got, you know, I got this presentation then. Mm. And I'm sure they were like, oh, shit, like, here it comes. Right. And I, I pull out my laptop and I do this whole presentation. And I, they actually, like, I ended up raising, like, through my family, mm-hmm. lo- like, loans. Um, like of like 20,000 bucks, 20 okay. or 25,000 bucks, something like that. Wow. Talk about a true support system. An entrepreneur's life can seem lonely for most. You're going through the process of figuring out a need for something in your head. and You're toying with ideas of what a service or product and eventual brand can be like. And oftentimes this is all done by yourself all alone. So it's very interesting to hear Jason's approach here. He basically shark tanked his friends and family. But listen to the way he did it. He didn't skimp or cut corners. He did a full business plan just as though he were presenting to some foreign investors or something. This is something I haven't seen or heard in all six seasons of the show. Someone creating a business from scratch and doing a dry run on the pitch to their closest friends and family. Who better to trust than your day ones, right? Jason had a very unique aha moment. He realized something right in front of him. Something that he's been doing for as long as he can remember can be revamped and ownable. When you think back to that time of foam sprays and hard plastic bristles, there wasn't a premium shoe cleaner out there that you fully trusted. You probably couldn't name any shoe cleaner by its brand name. And like he said, most were just homemade remedies. But in addition to that moment of clarity, Jason was smart enough to back it up with research and due diligence. The great leaders utilize both gut intuition and fact-finding. That drive to actually prove his concept by getting out there to interview people in the streets and find insights is 1000% the entrepreneurial spirit needed to start and sustain a viable business. Jason was tapping into those few benefits that his gopher job offered. He was smart enough to MacGyver the tools that were available to him. And don't forget, never work up to the job that you have. Put in the work for where you deserve to be. Did you have money on your own to put in? No. Okay. (laughs) Did you have like the formula set yet? Or you Uh, needed the money to make the formula? I needed the money to make the formula. Okay. So I had an idea. I had a concept. Uh Uh-huh. I didn't have a name or nothing. Did you know where you were going to make the stuff? Mm, The juice? No. I I actually, (laughs) like, 
uh, Googled like contract chemist or something like okay. that. Okay. All right. And um, so you want it, it's not like um, you sort of had a prototype and you're like, I need this funded. You had a concept and you wanted funding to then sh- make the concept right. happen. Yes. Got it. So the 20K went into that. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I went into like the packaging uh-huh. and like the actual first run and I set up a, a splash page. I didn't even have enough money to do like a proper website. Uh-huh. And it was just like a splash page. And um, yeah, so that's where all the money went. And uh, what was the first product that you made? It was the eight ounce shoe cleaner uh-huh. and it had the standard brush and it was packaged in a mini sneaker box. Okay. Which I thought was like, like, I was like, I'm fucking, I got genius. it, you know? Yeah, I'm genius. Um, so it was the purple? Yeah, it was the purple uh, solution, liquid, the yeah, eight ounce. Purple solution. Yeah, the eight ounce. And, and then it, which, br- like, the, wooden handle The br- wooden handle brush uh-huh. with the, the stiffer bristle, synthetic bristle. The uh-huh. sna- it's the same one we sell today, okay. the standard brush. And it was packaged in a, in a mini sneaker box. And uh-huh. I didn't care about margins. I mean, obviously, there was some research there so I'm not so I know that I'm making something yeah. but I don't recall it being like oh I need to have a 70% margin or else mm-hmm. like da 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 it was yeah. just like, like this is positive yeah, it's in the black yeah, I'm, I'm making money <laughs> like whatever right. so like um, I you, just wanted to create something really cool yeah and I like the first box was this sneaker box and I, I, I you know you know, the, you know this, the, the, the label that goes on the outside of every shoe box mm-hmm. right yeah like, the size label yeah, yeah I I purposely printed that separate because I wanted to hand apply each one. Uh-huh. Like I just wanted it to have like a very like, you know, a great experience when the customer got it. Yeah. And it, I could have just easily printed that on the box, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. Um, but um, I just took the time to really like create uh, the, the aesthetic yeah. and make sure that it was, an, it was the, what was important for me was that the experience was everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and it still is today. Yeah. Uh, so, and Jason Mark was the name right from the get. Like, no, you, okay, no, no. Um, I had all, I had a couple of options. They're really cheesy, um, but the way the story goes, like the way it happened, was I had all these cheesy options. And one morning, uh, I was, I was, I was getting up, washing my face, brushing my teeth. I open up the medicine cabinet, and there's a bottle of, um, not a bottle. It was like a tube of Paul Smith like face lotion mm-hmm. or something like mm-hmm. that. And I was looking at him like, Paul Smith, like that's the dude's name. Like <laughs> that can never go out. Yeah. Like if I named it XYZ company or whatever, it's kind of like, that's so trendy, uh-huh. right? But if you use your name, it's just timeless. Yeah. So that's when I was like, oh, Jason Mark, like I'll just use my, my, my last name is like too yeah. long. <laughs> yeah. Um, too ethnic. <laughs> too ethnic. So Mark, uh, I was like, yeah, Jason Mark. And then, I added the extra K because I, I wanted it to be easily searchable. Because I knew uh-huh. a Jason Mark that went to high school. Okay. <laughs> and um, it was spelled M-A-R-K, M-A-R-K, Jason right. Mark. And so I was like, oh, I'm going to add ex- extra K so that when someone Googles this, it just pops up. Mm-hmm. And so then I, that's the main reason I did it. And then when I saw it, I was like, oh, aesthetically, from a design standpoint, yeah. it works. Five letter, five letter. It just, I, I'm not even sure about the five letter. It just, the weight of it. I mean, I don't know. It just kind of like Balances. balanced. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Cool. Okay. So you got your first product. Do you remember, um, did you, was it made in America or you had to go overseas? No, it was made all made here in like America, so- SoCal. Like, SoCal. Yeah. The America. packaging. Packaging, everything. The liquid, the bottle. Everything. Wow. Everything. And then were you, you mentioned you put the sticker on, but were you also like hand assembling yeah, shit too? Yeah, man. Yo, like... <laughs> 
Okay, so the first production run um, was like 2,500 units because um, that was the minimum. That was the minimum for which thing? Uh, the packaging. The box. The, the box. Okay. Yeah. Or it might have been. It might have been the minimum on the solution. Okay. One, 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 one or the other. Right, right. It was the minimum, right? Yeah. So like I had to make 2,500 units, um, and when when I bought the solution after you know I did all this testing, all this like. R&D. Yeah, R&D. So basically, like, I, con- I found the contract chemist. Mm-hmm. I-, I interviewed, like, two or three of them before landing on the one that I felt understood what I was trying to do or mm-hmm. at least listened. Yeah. Because <laughs> um, I that, uh, AKA replied my phone call. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, you know, so then, um, yeah, that whole process was, like, I-, I showed up to his office. I had brought, like, four or five pairs of kicks with, like, different types of suede. And uh, I was just kind of educating him on, like, what can't happen right, <laughs> like right. like this is what we're concerned about this is like what i want it to be this and that and like i can't I, do this can't, can't do yeah, can't, yeah. can't make the shoe yellow mm-hmm. it can't like damage the suede it can't do you know um it just can't it can't be it can't be like super i don't want it to be like super chemicals like yeah. hardcore like if right. there's a cuz if you just put enough toxicity into a chemical it'll clean yeah, anything, it'll, but it'll, then you're you're jeopardizing yeah, the, the, shoe. the shoe and your fingers, <laughs> right? And your fingers and your all that. Right. So like, um, so that whole process, you know, was interesting because he'd create, he based off my direction, he'd create samples. I take them home, I go test them, write down notes, bring it back. Mm-hmm. He'd adjust, blah 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 blah. Then when we finally had the solution. It was colorless and odorless. Okay. And um, then that that came like started started the fun part because it was like oh like. You know, choose a fragrance or, you yeah. know, and choose what a co- color, yeah. color and all that. And um, so I chose purple because I just felt that it was, uh, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't too male or female. It was just mm-hmm. in the middle and it was like the color of royalty and just mm-hmm. dope. Like, and um, I remember spending hours in the lab with these chemists, like, because they had to do, the original solution was colored purple. Okay. Now it's it's in its natural form and the bottle is purple mm-hmm. because the consistency in color was, was never consistent. Okay. So I, I would sit in the lab and they, they literally have a dropper mm-hmm. with like purple or whatever. Yeah. And they chop, they put like a little drop and then they, they, they like take that and put it in the spinner and be like, is that, is that, is that it? And I go, uh, yeah, too much purple. Oh, I start <laughs> over again. Oh, a little bit more. And it was right. just like, and it was just became clear yeah. to me that this wasn't, a, this wasn't, this was my first run, and like I, d- I did that for the like several runs, right? And it became you know when I started to get smarter as a like as a business person, I was like, dude, this is not efficient. Like mm-hmm. I can't spend three hours of my day sitting here in the lab, dropping purple droplets into yeah. the shit, you know? Like so, then the bottle came purple. Came purple. But, but what I, is the I, natural I, color of the solution? It's right like now? um, it's not clear, but it has this slightly yellow tinge to it, and that's uh-huh. because of the coconut. Oil. Oh, okay. It. Yeah, okay. coconut in its raw form is like, like a light yellow. Right. Right. Yeah. Oh, okay. So that first run was twenty five hundred. You knew you were going to be in on inventory for two thousand plus bottles. Did you already have a store that was like, yeah, I'm going to take no. X number? You no. didn't have any store. No. no that no, was down to buy. No stores. Okay. So what I did was <laughs> I created that first run. Right. Got the worked with my designers that I got from the agency mm-hmm. and like created the logo and all this stuff. Right. Created packaging. And what I did was when I, when I knew I was ready to launch, um, I was still at the agency. How was I? I was still at the agency, yeah. And um, I launched in January of 2007. Mm-hmm. And 
I was just going to do it. And I thought to myself, like, okay, I got all the product, got the brand, got all the shit. What do I do about sales? Like, I don't know. <laughs> like, then you I, asked? <laughs> That's like, when you asked? Yeah, I was like, I don't, I don't have any experience. <laughs> I don't know how this shit works. So my younger brother at the time, um, he was like a district manager for selling, like, kitchen cutlery. Mm-hmm. You know when you go to, like, college campuses, they hand you a flyer. It's like, want a summer job? Yeah. It's like that. Uh-huh. And um, one day, I came across his uh, training manual, sales training manual. It was like a uh, binder. Yeah. I started flipping through it. And I'm like, yo, this shit's like, this is, like, some pretty, like, basic fundamental selling. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. how to handle objections and how to, like, think three right. steps ahead. All that shit. Right. So <laughs> I was like, yo, Eric, um, can, I, can I work for you, uh-huh. like, for a minute? And he and this is my younger brother. I'm working at the ad agency, agency, and he's like, "Well, yeah, you got to come and interview and all this shit." He made me go through that whole fucking process. Interview with him? Yeah. <laughs> so like, I had to show up to his office, and there was like four or five other college students, like like waiting in the waiting in the seating area, and I'm there, like, man, this fucking sucks. And I like, I had to check coming from that that big advertising shop. Yeah. And then, um, you know, sitting there waiting to be interviewed by my brother. Was he doing this just to fuck with you? I don't know. (laughs) Probably. (laughs) Probably, right? We have a great great relationship. I don't know. Did you get the job? I got the job. (laughs) No nepotism there. (laughs) (laughs) Got the job. And um, yeah, I just started selling about sales. Sales, like basics. Okay. Because I thought maybe I got to go door to door. I don't know how this shit works. Like, I I don't know. I don't know if I will walk into like whatever boutique and be like, hey, here's yeah. my like, shit. Yeah. <laughs> walk into a footlocker. Hey, you want to buy something? I didn't know. Maybe. And so I just thought, well, I better be a little bit prepared. And so I did. I worked with him for like several months. Maybe over the summer. It, was, it wasn't that long, but I ended up selling like close to $30,000 in knives. In and, knives. And not, like not, kitchen right, knives, knives or yes, whatever. Yes. Not Jason Martin. No, not yet. <laughs> right, right. And so at that point, I felt pretty comfortable. I was like, oh, fuck, if I could, send, if I could sell this much, then yeah. I'm, I'm good. So I quit. Uh-huh. And that's when I just, I just went for it. When you quit, were the bottles in yet? The bottles were in. Uh-huh. Yeah. And um, we, oh, that's what I forgot to tell you is like when you order that, so like once we had the solution finalized, color, scent, you know, uh, uh, performance, all yep. that, it comes in a big 55-gallon drum. Okay. Right. <laughs> they, it, you know, yeah. <laughs> I didn't have the money to like go to a filler and do all that. So, what? where's what? the drum living? In my dad's backyard. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, yeah. It, you and know, you would manually fill yeah. eight ounce bottles. Yeah, like with. I'm so, just trying okay. to think. Like, is it like a water cooler where you have no, a little no, no. spout? So you. So what I did was you go on Uline. Uh-huh. and there's this. They have everything on Uline. Yeah. So it's like a 55 gallon drum. Thing. Like, no, uh, it's like a dolly. Okay, okay, a dolly so just a, to carry the carry thing. the thing, and it, it kind of like a, it, it angles it so you can pour stuff. <laughs> so then, what I did was I went to Home Depot and I got two Gatorade coolers. Uh huh. You know the Smaller orange ones, ones yeah. yeah, that they dump on coaches. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. <laughs> and then I went and um, got some rubber hose uh-huh. and stuck it on the spigot, right? And then filled those things, and then we which would, has a spout has a spout, yeah. like for Gatorade. Yep. But if you don't have that rubber hose, it It'll fill, but it'll just like foam up like a beer. Like if you pour a beer uh-huh. the wrong way, you just get a ton of foam. Yeah, yeah. That's what happens. Uh, okay. So if you have a hose on the on it, you can just kind of slowly. It, it there's no there's no foam. Okay. Right. So 
I then uh, called my friends again and family and had a pizza party. Yes. <laughs> AKA a filling party. Yeah, <laughs> Bottle I, filling. Yeah, at my sister's place because she had a three-car garage uh-huh. and it had space. So uh, we set up like an assembly line. I got pictures of all this shit. It's so dope. dope. And uh, I ordered pizzas and like some of my closest friends came and family and and we, um, it was like an assembly line, like yeah. even the packaging, assembling, like putting that shit together. Yeah, to put the label on the bottle too. Putting, uh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. And manual as yeah, shit. At, at manual. And at the time, like our bottles come sealed now. Mm-hmm. The time, I can't afford that shit. Yeah. So like you just put the plastic cap on, but we were having leaking issues. Uh-huh. So what happened was like what we would do, me and my sister, um, we would flip all the bottles on its head overnight. Like we would get, Cardboard boxes, yeah. flip them over, put paper towel on the bottom, uh-huh. go to sleep, wake up, and then you can see like which ones are leaking. Oh my God. That's QC. Dude, QC, yeah, <laughs> at its finest. And then we would take the good ones uh-huh. and then you know, have those for sale or whatever. What amazes me from each story that Jason tells is the fact that he did whatever it took to just learn more. He didn't stop at an online search. He straight up went out and became a door-to-door knife salesman just to master the technique of sales. Quality control? It didn't matter that he didn't have enough money for the proper packaging. He figured out a workaround hack with his sister. That just shows to me how crafty and humble Jason is and how much he really wanted it and what he was willing to do to get it. Now, for those in the concept stage of their company, or really any stage, Ask yourself, how much do you really want it? What are you willing to do to learn more in order to take what you have to the next level? So now they're packaged up and now you have to go sell them. Yes. So what I did know was, you know, it was, it was a beautiful, it was, it was pretty good. Like for, you know, I knew branding and Mm -hmm. I knew I'm not a designer, but like I knew like what I liked. Yeah. And it looked good. Um, and my fr- my best friend to this day, he was always into like graphic design. He was like a creative. Like mm-hmm. he just likes to create like film, photo, whatever. So I had brought the um, finished product to his garage. Yeah. And we shot it like with Ikea lights uh-huh. and like whatever makeshift backdrop. Yeah. And he photoshopped the shit out of it yeah. for shadows and all that. And we put together a, I put together a press kit. Uh-huh. Like I knew that from like the agency. Like yeah. I put together photos, I put together a little press release type thing. And um, before launching, I started seeding people, influencers, you being one of them. Um, Did I get one of the early I think so. handmade batches? I think so, yeah. That's tough. <laughs> um, yeah, so like you, like you mean, like just, I would like the slam hype people. Like uh-huh. uh, back then it was so easy. Like you just go to Hype Beast and be like, contact us like info right, like right. you send them an email and then like the next day i got an email back yeah it was like oh yeah we dig your shit like we're gonna post this on whatever right. date at this time i'm it like it's probably like kevin or eugene like, yeah somebody, exactly yeah. yeah or like adam from slam hype yeah, yeah like it was adam hitting me up like right. hey uh yeah we like this we're gonna we're gonna post this on this date and i'm like sweet you know <laughs> like i'd sent i'd sent uh, you know boxes to to yourself to like the, I got somehow I got um, what was that platform that was it Honey, Honey, but was it before Honey? Oh, the Japanese you know, one. You know, um, Ricky Kim. Yeah, Evil Manito. Yes, yeah. So <laughs> Evil like, Manito. 
he, I sent one to him, and like he had this blog platform uh-huh. where it's like, I don't know if you, you were on Honey, right? Yeah, I was on Honey. Yeah. yeah. So like I used, I would just go to these sites and then like find, somehow find contact information for mm-hmm. everybody. And um, one of the guys that I had sent to was the, one, like it was the designer for Undefeated, mm-hmm. Jupiter. Yeah. And I sent him a box, I sent you guys, but this, the thing with Jupiter um, comes later in the story because it was my first collab with Undefeated. Yeah. That was my first collab ever. And right. it was through him. Right. And um, yeah, so I did all that. Sent the care packages. It got posted on these blogs. All I had was a splash page. I didn't have a website. But when you go to jasonmark.com, it was just the logo. Mm-hmm. Nothing. You just click it, and then it opens up like an info at jasonmark. Like Email. A, yeah. <laughs> so the shit goes out, and like automatic, man. Like I had like close to 100 emails in the inbox for mm-hmm. like people wanting to buy the product. Like it would just be anyone. Like say, how do I buy this? Yeah. To like shops from all around the world being like, we want to stock it, and uh-huh. this and that, and if a kid um, wanted to buy it, how were you I was doing that transaction? I was manually emailing him back or mm-hmm. her, and I would I'd be customer. So I would like make up a name like I'm Chris, customer service. Yeah. And um, this was before Venmo and all this shit, yeah. right? So I would send them an order form, like through email, <laughs> like okay, fill this out, right? With, like and they like, write in their credit put card, credit card information, uh-huh. and then send it back, and then we'll process it, and then like it was all of that, and yeah. then it was just like out of my mom's house, and right. I was like. With you filling them out of a Gatorade bottle. Yeah, little did they know. But yeah, I was doing that, and they would. And um, do you remember some of the first stores that wanted it, and you were like, "Holy shit, I can't believe the store wants it." Yeah. um, Well, let me. So before I get to that, if you don't mind, yeah, yeah. So what what happened was, um, so I had launched. It was crazy. Like da da da. I hadn't opened any accounts. I didn't know what to do. Mm -hmm. My sister, my middle sister, Christine, calls me and is like, "Hey." My friend hit me up. He's like in the industry and he wants to meet you and like whatever he thinks he can help. And I was like mad suspect. I was like, dude, like I don't know this cat. Like I don't mm-hmm. know. I don't have any money to pay him, whatever. Yeah. So um, I agreed to meet with him and I brought my, I brought my brother-in-law. We met at a restaurant because I was just like, I don't know. Fuck. Yeah. Like just come with me. Uh-huh. Like I, didn't, I, don't, I don't know. So we, we, we met him. His name was Rick Salazar, mm-hmm. which I think you know, I yeah. think you know him. Um, and he had this extensive resume, uh-huh. like of experience, like he did all this like stuff and he was like, I can help you this, that. And I was like, I was still a little, you know, suspect, but we eventually agreed to like, he would help with sales and marketing and things. So he really took me under his wing okay. and kind of showed, he took me to my first trade show. Uh-huh. Uh, he took me to my first, uh, Nike party. Uh-huh. It was like in Hollywood. <laughs> I've never seen anything like it. And he was like, yeah, just roll whatever. I was like, okay. And that's where I saw Jupiter. Okay. So. I saw a bunch of people there. Yeah. But I recognized Jupiter and I was like, damn, like he was with his, like a girl. I don't know if it was a girl or whatever, but like he was just in the mix. Yeah. And I'm just there like like a scared little kid. Like what is, go- like this is so dope. Like what do I do? <laughs> and um, I wanted to like, you know, tap him on the shoulder and be like, hey, I'm Jason. I'm Jason Mark. Dude, I sent you a kit, you know? And I was like. Did he respond? Uh, like, I, it might have been a thank you or something. <laughs> okay. Like an email. Yeah. But I didn't, he didn't respond like, oh, this is so dope. Like, we should do something. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I recognized him. And I was like, all night, I was just like, damn. Like, and he was about to leave. I see him heading for the door. I'm like, fuck it. I'm going for this shit. And I go up to him. like, tapped him on the shoulder. I'm like, yo, Jupiter. And he was like, what's up, bro? And I'm like, I'm Jason Mark. And I, I, you know, I sent you. He's like, before I could be, tell him, he's like, yo, that shit is fucking dope. 
And I'm like, for real? And he was like, yo, this shit dope. We should get in touch. And I'm like, okay. You know? <laughs> it's, like, it's like worse than asking a girl to dance. Yeah, it was like, I was like, holy shit. But I was like, man, if I let this opportunity pass right now, like, I don't know. Right. And undefeated to me was like... The gods. The gods. Yeah, of course. Like, I would shop on La Brea and all the time, you know? Yeah. And... Um, yeah, so he was like, yeah, we traded information, and I, I, I hit Rick, and I'm like, yo, man, I just, you know, and Rick's like, yo, just, like, be cool. Like, I don't want, <laughs> he doesn't want to be, like, like get my hopes up, right? Because, right. like, you know, you don't know. Mm-hmm. Next day, I get, I'm sitting, I'm standing in my sister's garage, like, all the shit's around me. I get a phone call on my cell, mm-hmm. and it's fucking Jupiter. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, hey, what's up? And he's like, yo, man, let's, like, let's link let's like talk about this shit and i'm like for real it's like so we did and i i am forever grateful for for like him giving me a shot and just mm-hmm. believing in me yeah and we met it was like rick and i went and we met with jupiter down in la brea at their office or whatever and their secret office yeah yeah and we and um yeah we just like we just we just talked about what we could do uh-huh. we did it and it was like did you go in thinking you're going to get a collaboration or I hoped for a collaboration, <laughs> but I just, I don't know. Like, right. And that's what he offered up. Like, yeah. Let's do a collab. Yeah. Wow. Did you even sell through your first 2,500 at this point yet? No. Wow. No, no, no. It came so fast. Really fast. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, Rick was like, yo, like, obviously, wait, we're going to do this undefeated collab. Mm-hmm. It came, came, like, we did it. It, like, sold out. It was, like, a 1,000 units or yeah. whatever. Which, by the way, the minimum on the packaging was twenty five hundred or whatever it was. So I sat on like fifteen hundred of like flat packaging that I just couldn't, you know, yeah, just because because it. it's, it's limited. You yeah, know? it's like so. Yeah, we um, sold through that, and then uh, Rick knew someone at Nort. Okay. He knew Stash. Yeah, <laughs> someone he knew Stash. Right, right. And uh, so we got we got talking to Stash, and he was down. Mm-hmm. And I remember that this where I met you was. We created this limited packaging for Nort. Yep. They launched it alongside like a Pepsi thing they were doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was I I flew to New York. It's my first time in New York. Wow. And um, it mean Rick and uh, and yeah, I think he got a meeting with you while we were out there. Oh, Do you really? remember that? <laughs> no. <laughs> he was like, yeah, you know, we should talk. Read space. It was that read space in the basement or like the office. Okay. Was there an office downstairs or something? There was a, it was Reed Space and then the back half was Staple. Okay. Back in the Probably day. Staple. Yeah. yeah. Was Nord on Eldridge at this time? It was the one with like the ramp, it had a, that ramp. Oh, that's entrance. on Lafayette. Yeah. Yeah, the bigger that, one. That was the one that I, I went to. Wow. And I had met Stash and um, I was just like, whoa, you know, like this is crazy. And like, you know, a funny story. Um, he had asked me to sign one of the kits that we made. Stashed it. Yeah. Uh-huh. He was like, yo, can you sign this? And I was like, what? Like, for real? Like, and I was like, okay. So I signed my fucking signature. Like, I didn't sign. On your credit card. Yeah. I didn't sign Jason Mark because right. I'm like, you know. He looked at you like. He was like, what the fuck? <laughs> nah. But. Well, you never practiced your yeah, tag. Yeah, I mean. I mean right. Yeah, exactly. So. but That's amazing. Yeah, Stash is the homie. He's always, you know, I, I, I just ran into him, like, not too long ago. Anyways. Yeah. But. He uh, he's always supportive, and then uh, we were in New York, and then I, we caught a meeting with you, mm-hmm. and then um, we ended up doing the yeah 
Yeah, the 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 Nike ID box yep. that pulled out with socks, which I love. The microfiber. I love the socks. I still wear them to this day. I actually still, I recently cleaned out an archive closet mm. and I found like six of those boxes. They're good socks, man. Well, the whole packaging was so ill. Yeah. It was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Keep your eyes on the prize. Jason knew which people and brands in the culture would move the needle for his young brand. He's out there doing all the little things, bottling liquid, shipping orders, and that constant hustle paid off when an opportunity finally presented itself. But here's the tough part about being a great entrepreneur. You have to have the patience to do the little things day in and day out. But at the same time, you have to have the audacity to jump after an opportunity when you see something standing right in front of you. Those are two separate part of the brains that need to be lit up for an entrepreneur. While the start of Jason Mark might not be that long ago, I feel in today's time, it's even easier to catch the attention of someone you admire and respect. So much more can happen now and on a much faster timeline. Just don't forget that when that opportunity sits right in front of you, be genuine and be honest. The world wants to see who you really are. Wow, so that was really fast. Like most people today start a brand, like, and if they could get undefeated, stash, and stable, like in what, the first? The like, first year. Yeah. Seriously. Like, so Rick did a lot. Rick did a lot. When did you um, quit your job finally? I quit my job um, that January, like oh the year like two thousand eight. Uh, two thousand. I launched two thousand seven. Yeah. I quit like maybe like late two thousand six or early seven two thousand seven. Oh okay. Um, because you were able to make a living from selling Jason Mark. What? Uh, what was I doing? Oh, I was DJing. Okay, so you still had you're yeah. making some money DJing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was so de- instead of DJing and the agency, you it was were like, just let de- me DJ it and just, It was a DJ. I was living at my parents' house. Mm-hmm. Like, um, I didn't have any like school debt because my parents took care of me. Mm-hmm. Like, they just they just you know yeah. what I'm saying. So like they held me down. Right. And um, so yeah, I was just working out. I was just living at home and just DJing and then running this shit. Uh-huh. But from the second I launched it. We were busy. We, we had we had sales, dude. Yeah, like, yeah. I, you know, it was consistent. It right. was like every day I'd wake up and there'd be like five orders. On a good day, it'd be ten orders. But it was uh-huh. consistent. Like every day there would be orders. Yeah. And then, um, yeah. So that I just kind of, you know, I was able to do it that way. Uh-huh. And then, um, and then after you sold out of that first run, you felt good about re-upping. Yeah. And- same like, same vendors, same everything. Same everything. Yeah, it was just so small, sm- so small of an operation. I don't mm-hmm. even know if that, like, uh, 2,500 units, it probably took me, like, a year and a half to sell through all that shit. Like, <laughs> and then you do it again. Right. And it's like, and, at the, and again, like, I didn't have any business experience. It was mm-hmm. just, like, just figuring it out as we go. Who was handling, like, the books to make sure you were getting paid? And I had an accountant. Okay. Um. But I didn't even collect a paycheck. Like, okay. I wasn't collecting a paycheck. Right. It, was it just, just went back into the company. It was just back in the company. I had one bank account. And, um, yeah, I wasn't taking anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the recession hit. Mm-hmm. Like, everything was great. It, before the recession, remember this period of, like, luxury? Yeah. Yeah, everything was, like, luxury. Yeah, everything was all good. Uh, everything was all good. And, um, anyways, the recession hit, like, 2008, 2009. Mm-hmm. And 
it, I think we were too small to have it really affect us. Yeah. You know, like it was something that we could weather, but there did come a, a time where I felt a little bit like sketch. Mm-hmm. Um, and I took a, I, I took a part-time job at Trader mm. Joe's. Oh, wow. While running the company. Uh-huh. And uh, my girlfriend at the time, now my wife, uh, we were staying with my parents in like a bedroom and it was, it got to the point, we weren't broke, but it got to the point where it was like, everything was going on the credit card. Yeah. And it was just like, <laughs> gas, like gas. Food. Right. And, um, I just thought, Ooh, man, scary. I gotta, I gotta do something man. Yeah. like, fuck it. Like I just, if I got to get a job somewhere, right. I'm going to do it on the, on the low. Mm-hmm. And, um, I made some adjustments like the eight ounce kit that I was selling originally retailed for $25. Um, and I thought, yeah, that shit, that's, I got to make it more accessible mm-hmm. at an accessible price point. Yep. So I cut the solution in half to four ounces and changed the packaging to a more like, I think it was a pouch. It was just mm-hmm. like a generic yeah. U-line silver pouch with like a sticker on it. Right. And I was able to sell that for like 15 bucks, 16 uh-huh. bucks. And, and it sold much yeah, better. Yeah, it just sold much better and oh, that okay. kept us afloat. Which is smart because you're just taking the same liquid same and liquid. repackaging. Right, right, right. And, um, yeah, so I was, like, working at Trader Joe's. I had worked at Trader Joe's before, like, way back before the agency and all that. Uh-huh. It was just, like, a part-time job. Right. So I called in a favor. Uh-huh. My boy was, like, a manager somewhere, and I was like, hey, man, like, I'm going through some shit. Like, can you get me a job somewhere? And he got me a job at the Long Beach Trader Joe's. Yeah. So I started working there while running the company and wow. next door to the Trader Joe's there was a USPS uh-huh. and I would just before ship. my shift I would <laughs> ship all the I'd go in carrying boxes drop it off next door then go clock in uh-huh damn and I would like have my phone on me answering customer service emails and like <laughs> um and you know at this point Jason Mark was already like two years old two and a half years old mm-hmm. so if you're in the in the culture yeah like and you knew about it, like you would know about it. Uh-huh. What was funny was there's this kid that was working at Trader Joe's and he recognized me. Uh-huh. And he, actually, he recognized me. He knew who I was because uh, we had like uh, the same circles, but like, like distant circles. Like, yeah. He, you know, so he was like, yo, man, you still doing that shit? I'm like, yeah, man. Like, as you're like, as I'm like yeah, man, ha- <laughs> hand me that, 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 those cans over there. I got to stop. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, um, it's a struggle. It's struggles yeah, it was a struggle's real. real, man. Yeah. And then I had this one cat. I was check. I was doing the checkout, uh-huh. and this cat came through, and he was like obvious, like he was rocking Street whatever sneakers, head, yeah. yeah. And he, we just got chatting, like, and he, I think he recognized me because he was like, "Yo, what do you? Uh, so, what'd you do before this?" And I was like, <laughs> "Oh, I was just, you know, like I, just, I don't know, like I don't know, I was <laughs> DJing or just, you know, I didn't want to." How bad would that be? Like, right? I have a business, Jason yeah. Mark. You want? To- <laughs> yeah, I, this is what I do too. You know, like part time. Um, but yeah, I could tell like he was asking all those questions. Mm-hmm. I just was kind of like just trying to get him through the line. Like, <laughs> yeah, man, have a nice day, dude. Uh, but yeah, I, I did that for like not too long. I want to say like three or four months, uh-huh. and then business picked up and stabilized. And I was like, peace out. Like yeah. I'm out. Right. So then I went back to full time, um, Jason Mark and mm-hmm. DJing. Yeah. Was there a point where you were able to turn it around in like a, a real turning point where it was like, holy shit, we got whatever this distributor, this account, like yeah. that really stabilized it? Yeah, yeah. What was it? Well, uh, it was the fir- like when I first showed at a trade show. Oh, okay. And that uh, we didn't show at a trade show till like we started 2007. We didn't show at a trade show till like 2010. 
okay. or something. What, what trade show? It was Agenda. Okay. So you showed first time at Agenda. First time. And I had, was it? It was amazing. Gangbusters? It was amazing. It was just me, dude. And I mm-hmm. remember I did not, I'm not even exaggerating, I did not sleep one minute. Yeah. I went 24 hours uh, before, the, before the first day because uh-huh. I had to do the booth setup. Yeah. And 10 by 10 is a small booth, but if you only have so much product, like, you, it's like you have to fill the space mm-hmm. and do all this shit. So, like, I called my homie who was helping me with some design work, and I, um, my homie John Bolares, uh, and he came through and just helped me kind of, like, visualize something. Is this Long Beach or Vegas? This is Long Beach. Okay. And, um, but yeah. you got a ton of orders out of that? Or yeah, what? a ton of orders, all this interest. And I was only, it was only me, like, there. Mm-hmm. Like, I didn't have anyone. Yeah. So even the bathroom breaks and shit. It was like, just empty booth. It was, no, well, uh, uh, I had a friend that was in the industry, and I would just be like, yo, man, can you just sit right here for <laughs> just like literally five minutes? I'll be back. You know? uh-huh. So it was that type of thing. Um, and that's where we started to really, like, really grow. Like, we've, we've been fortunate enough from, from the minute that I started the company to have, like, a very organic, gradual growth. Mm-hmm. And it was, just, it was just enough to where, like, you, I could enjoy the shit out of it. Like, it wasn't about business. It was just about the brand. Yeah. That's all I care... And product. That was all mm-hmm. I cared about. It was like, as long as we deliver a solid product that delivers this experience and I focus on the brand, everything else will come. Yeah. Like, the money will come, whatever. Like, opportunities will come. And that's all I knew. That's all I knew was brand. Mm-hmm. So that's all I did. Yeah. And then started opening accounts there. And then we got invited. This is the turning point was we got invited. Oh, I got my first um, distributor uh, just by like a cold email of my Japanese distributor Mm -hmm. who is still my distributor today. Nice. Um, So he just emailed me and I was like, I don't know. I was like, okay. So I met him and um, I was like, cool. So he just became my distributor. Mm -hmm. There's no contracts, whatever. It's just like at that time. Right. You probably had no Japanese accounts either. So you're no, just like, zero. Yeah. Zero. And, uh, we just met and I, I, even to today, like the way I work is like a lot of based on energy, mm-hmm. you know, like chemistry vibe, yeah. you know, like right. if that's there, we'll figure the shit out later. As long mm-hmm. as you have like some experience. Yeah. Um, so that was it. And then we got invited to do bread and butter in Berlin, in Berlin, okay. like the next year or wow. 2012 or something like that. Uh huh. But we flew out there. We had a free booth. Uh-huh. It was like not even a real booth. It was just like a thing. And our whole goal to go there was to get distribution in Europe. Europe. Yeah. That was the main goal. Mm-hmm. First day, that shit went out the window. Like it was, the, 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 the booth was so busy. It was just cranking. Wow. Like people were just like nonstop, like opening accounts and this and that and da 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 da. Just you know that you know trade show yeah um, but it was like gangbusters gangbusters dude I was like man so like um, that that day ended and we we're exhausted we we're like whoa that shit was crazy like it, like it was crazy it was yeah. so exciting but we got back to the hotel and I'm like yo man let's not forget why we're here like we need to go back and find distribution like uh-huh. this is accounts are great but like really we need a distributor mm-hmm. so we go back to the show the next morning early the booth right next to us was Ransom. Okay. And their distributor was Sackenold. Uh-huh. Um, I don't know if you're familiar, but they're like super OG. They distribute like Stussy okay. and like all that. Mm-hmm. And I get to talking with um, Dennis, who was like their rep. I got there early. We were drinking, co- having coffee. 
and he and he's like, dude, you guys were busy yesterday. I was like, yeah, man, shit's nuts. And I was like, oh, I'm really just looking for distribution. He was like, oh, you don't have distribution in where? I was like, any of Europe. And he was like, <laughs> hey, man, I should introduce you to Manny and Klaus, mm-hmm. second old. I knew who they were, mm. and I was again. It was just back to that scared kid. Like I don't know. Like I don't. What am I supposed to say? I, the Jupiter I, moment. Yeah. Like I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how this shit works. Uh-huh. Like, so they arrived at the show that day, second day, and I got introduced, and it was just chemistry from the get go. Uh-huh. And they were like, "Oh, this is great," you know. And they were like, "Do you have distribution in in you know Italy?" And I'm like, no. They're like, we should introduce you to Slam Jam. Uh-huh. So I met with Slam Jam. And do you have distribution in, in the UK? I was like, no, we should introduce you to Gimme Five. And wow. so, like, these amazing, amazing distribution partners yeah. that are the OGs in the game. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, what? <laughs> like, <laughs> what? So... Damn. Yeah, bro. Like, that was, a, that was epic. Isn't life crazy? Because maybe, like, if you partied that night instead and didn't have coffee that morning like and if you didn't have that simple conversation that started the domino effect so this is jeff bro like what is that the law of attraction Uh i believe in that shit like i just believe in like energy man Uh like if you put you gotta put yourself in that you gotta put yourself and you know what like maybe earlier in my jason mark career i was a bit like oh yeah man it's just everything's gonna fucking work out like no matter what right like that's a bit naive like but I do believe in the energy. Like mm-hmm. it's what you, the energy that you put out there, the opportunities present itself. And then it's up to you to, to sort of decipher, like, is this a good opportunity? Is this, is this, you know, you got to use your gut and then you make those decisions that make, could make or break or take you to the next level. It is all about the energy people. Trusting your gut and your instincts, that's always sound advice. But in my opinion, and Jason's, that comes from being in tune with your own energy. Now, what the hell does that mean exactly? It means knowing yourself and sensing when something is amiss and knowing when an opportunity is bubbling. The challenging part is that that feeling also feels a lot like fear. Many times we overanalyze and overthink ourselves out of a situation. Make your next move based on the information you've gained from the decisions that you've made in the past. Because every opportunity, right or wrong, is not only a chance to go to the next level, but is also a chance to learn and grow. When I'm faced with a tough decision or new opportunity, you know what I do? I flip a coin. Now some might say, what? You're going to let chance decide what decision you're going to make? No, but it's not like that. I flip a coin because while the coin is flipping through the air, and the moment I slam it down on the table, that one millisecond before I lift my hand to reveal whether it's heads or tails, that moment is when you know what you want to do. That's the gut speaking. And sometimes the mind just likes to play tricks on you. So that really, you got distribution in Asia, distribution in Europe now. Yeah. So now it's the growth has it's now. Yeah, the growth is now starting to pick up. Yeah. Um, it's not crazy growth because most of the partners that I got specialized in the tier zero like boutiques. It was still boutiques. So it, limited quantities. Yeah, yeah, like it's still like growing. Right. But it wasn't like department store majors mm-hmm. yet. 
Um, so it was still manageable. Like, I, honest to God, like we were just, ha- I was still just having fun, like yeah. doing collaborations. And, mm-hmm. you know, now that we had this network around the world, um, it was, it was a lifestyle and it is a lifestyle today. Like it's just, it blurred the lines of business and, li- and lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And, um, we, you know, when we would fly to London to meet and see the market and just, it was like business for like a day. Like we talk about whatever, mm-hmm. and then it was just like hanging out, <laughs> vibes like all, whatever. Right, ninety percent right. like hanging out, and then at the last ten percent, like oh wait, yeah. the order. Yeah, Here I mean we, we would we would get business done for yeah, yeah. sure, um, but it was just like more hanging out, right? And that was the consistent vibe like across around the world. Like with Slam Jam, we go out to. Ferrara and, mm-hmm. or Milano, and we go out and hang out and drink and eat and like talk business for a day. And then same thing, Sack and Old, like we go to Bohum yeah. in Germany and like, you know, and it's like this, it's just, I loved it, man. Mm-hmm. I was just like, I don't ever want to stop doing this, like ever. I don't care about, like it wasn't even, it was a business, it was a legit business at this time. Yeah. But, um, it, you know, it was just about, it was just about being, yeah, being a business owner and like doing my own shit. Right, right. And then it didn't get complicated or challenging until later. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. So yeah, you you mentioned like you're saying it as if it's a good thing, but underlyingly there might be a negative to this. Yeah, of course. I mean, if you don't, when you don't, when you're just operating a business like that, mm-hmm. you're having fun, and um, but you're not looking after all the 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 shit that you need to be looking after yeah. of course it's gonna it's gonna right. come and you know get it's gonna come because all this time that you're traveling and doing all this fun stuff is there anyone back home like holding down the fort like who's shipping who's yeah, answering I mean, emails at, and stuff at this point we had we had hired a couple of people okay yeah at this point like we probably had i don't know three or four okay. employees or whatever that and, were could ship orders and yeah, do customer yeah, service yeah, and stuff yeah, okay yeah, cool yeah, yeah. and are you paying yourself now no. When did I start paying myself? Um, there was a point where it was probably around the time that that this time where I started paying myself. So I yeah. got myself a lawyer, uh-huh. and um, he had suggest made all these suggestions like, like what are you what are you doing now? And I'm like, oh, I just have a bank account, I have a debit card, like whatever. I'm not. He's like, are you paying yourself? I'm like, no. And he's like, oh, we need to change that. Like, mm-hmm. we need to protect. Like, where's all your trademarks and all this stuff? Like. It was just all in one bucket. Oh, okay. So he was like, oh, there's asset protection and all this stuff that I didn't know about. Uh-huh. And so he set me up. And then, um, yeah, at that point, I started to collect the paycheck and yeah. all that stuff. So, right, right. Um, yeah. When did the next phase happen where, you know, you mentioned you had growth sort of like at a 45 degree angle, yeah, yeah, but then yeah. it went it, to like straight my, up a, a north face yeah, wall. Yeah. You when know, did that happen? That happened when I hired a sales rep. So... In comes Oliver, mm-hmm. who is today um, still with the company. Mm-hmm. Um, but I met him. Uh, he was at a trade show. He was at the booth next door. He was just sitting there by himself. He was repping BBC. Mm-hmm. And I just went up and talked to him. I was like, yo, what's up, bro? Like, we're next door. I'm Jason. <laughs> da, da, da. He's like, oh, what's up, bro? Da, da, da. So just the whole show was just like whatever. And then before, um, before the show ended, I just went over and handed him a kit. and was like, here you go, dude. Like enjoy mm-hmm. nothing yeah whatever and then he hit me up like i don't know how like months later and he was like hey you looking for a sales rep and i'm like i guess like 
he's like, dude, we can grow this shit and like we could do this. And I'm like, yeah, dude, I just want to maintain the brand. Like I was just brand, 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 brand. Yeah. Like, dude, I don't want to fucking like, I don't want it everywhere. Uh-huh. And uh, he was like, oh, I get, I get your vibe. I get your vision. Like, da, da, da. so um, yeah. So he came on board as like a, like, you know, sales rep, mm-hmm. independent sales rep. And um, that's when it started to take off mm. because, uh, you know, he was, he was now managing like going after like getting orders and making sure like, you know, uh, everyone was taken care of, you yeah. know, and then, and then through that, we just started to do more trade shows and then the brand just organically was kind of growing bigger and bigger mm-hmm. and it was still at a good pace. Like I felt like we could manage. Yeah. Like this was like 2000. He came on 14. It was like on and off. It wasn't really like a thing until like 15. Mm-hmm. And he was like, yo, I think like, I know I've been kind of doing this for you, but it's like, I think I could really like do this. Mm-hmm. And he was living in New York at the time. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I'm thinking about like moving out there to LA, to LA uh-huh. and like really doing this with you guys. And I was right. like, let's, let's do it. Uh-huh. You know? So this was like 2015 comes through, starts to moves out to LA and we go into trade shows and like opportunities just representing themselves you know i guess organically because the brand was getting more visibility we were doing all these collaborations with like Mm -hmm. really dope partners really dope brands like and um we started to make waves and then i think like footlocker or something like came and um and we were just started to get into the majors yeah 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 and And i started to see it like in like the container store like well that was more ba- recent like, yeah but like really places that are way outside the spectrum of street culture and sneaker culture yeah yeah i think that's the 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 beauty it's of the beauty of it the yeah. beauty of it because the brand jason mark um yeah our roots are in sneaker culture like we used to do all the sneaker shows have our little booth and mm-hmm. like we used to hustle like we put it we put in work yeah. like we paid our dues like uh-huh. we tra- you know all that shit um but as as I started to kind of like grow up and my like whatever I started to, my taste started to you know get into different things and mm-hmm. what it reflected on the brand so like the brand started to like you know started to get Expand. more refi- yeah. refined as right. well and sort of like um you know just little changes to the branding and like we'd update the logo and it look a little bit you know a little bit more grown up and mm-hmm. like you know just like refining things yeah. and and the beauty of it was that like our our account list to this day is something that we're so extremely proud of because it's everything it's the whole spectrum it's like it's like undefeated kith blend, you know all mm-hmm. the you know sneaker shops top tier yeah stuff, top yeah. tier right and then you've got like moma design selling uh-huh. the shit and uh-huh. like um you know uh uh colette right like yeah. all, you know it was all these things and um but we had the whole spectrum mm-hmm. so then we started to get into like Nordstrom's yeah. and like department stores department stores and like Foot Locker and all their banners uh-huh. and then like Finish Line and like um and it was just it, that's when like this was like 2015 16 it started to really ramp up yeah and it was all manageable but i think at this point we started to our growth and demand mm-hmm. just skyrocketed yeah. like it was nuts mm-hmm. and um that's where sort of the challenge started to come like right. we, it started to i think it was sort of bubbling under the surface uh-huh. but it was because we were able to ship and everyone was happy or just, you know everyone's happy like right. retailers um 
You could sort of mask it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It wasn't that I was in denial. I just didn't know. Yeah. Like, we were just like, we're good. Yeah. You and know? it's not the typical problem where it's like, yo, we're not getting orders. No. It's dude, like... We had a... Sur- like, it was just crazy demand. Uh-huh. And, um, yeah, so, like, you know, it presented itself. It showed the problem that was bubbling started to show. And I thought, okay, like, I need to raise capital. Uh-huh. Like, that's what I need to do. Yeah. So... uh you know, that process from, from not knowing anything is, it's a challenging one Mm -hmm. because it's like, there's so many choices out there, you know, like there's the bank and then there's like VCs and private equity and there's Mm -hmm. angel investors and independent investors, like all these things, you know? And I don't know, like I, I just, I'm real, like we've put in so much blood, sweat and tears into this shit. And like, it's, it's my name. It's personal. It's like, I, I'm very protective of it. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know which route to go. So I, I naturally explored the bank route first because it was like, I don't have to give away equity. And yeah. so that, that worked for a while. Mm-hmm. Like the bank grew, helped us and gave us a line. And yeah. we were able to kind of like grow with that line mm-hmm. um, for several years, like mm-hmm. at least a couple of years, I think. We, we got start, you know, a couple of increases and it was, it was all good. Yeah. Um, but I think at some point the demand just skyrocketed way way out of our our, our capacity or uh-huh. capability right and um that's where you know we started to kind of you know struggle a bit uh-huh. because it wasn't it, you know everyone's like oh that's a great problem I'm like yeah it's a great problem but not not when you you know what i mean like yeah. you, it's a great problem to have if you can figure it out uh-huh. in like 6 months right <laughs> not a year and a half or two yeah yeah which which is what happened. Was what happened. Right. Yeah. Like, because not only was that happening, but now the competition. That there, too. Everyone was sort of coming out with their own oh, yeah. version of a premium sneaker. Yeah, cleaner. yeah. Forgot about that yeah. competition. Um, <laughs> we had the whole like we had the whole we created the lane right. Yeah. So we had the whole lane to ourselves for like six or seven years mm-hmm. or some shit. Like, and then so and then competition started to pop up, and they had deep deep pockets, mm-hmm. like super deep. We're just this little company. Like, yeah, we're the leader, I guess. Like from a brand standpoint, and. I, I I would stand by best in class like yeah. product right like cause we but we didn't we didn't have like funding like uh-huh. you know what I'm saying yeah. like we were or just, the like logistical know how yeah like, supply chain yeah and all we that had, stuff yeah we had supply chain but not sophisticated enough to 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 maintain the type of growth that mm-hmm. we were experiencing yeah and um, so competition saw that and capitalized on it and and um, they. They, you know these all these guys there's there's so many competition now but yep. they had deep like they had more money than us mm-hmm. there was like rapping taxi cabs and like paying like fucking hip-hop artists and yeah. like all the paint you know sponsoring the nba and all this shit i'm right. like dude what the fuck like yeah this is, like that's for one it's not my style uh-huh. like i'm not the aggressive i'm not the dude at the mall like yo Yo, man, hey, stop, stop. Oh, I, I meant that, dude. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not that. We're not that brand. Right. We're very, like, low-key. Uh-huh. And some would say too low-key. Mm-hmm. You know, like, you, like, I've been told, like, you need to flex a little bit. Yeah. It's like, I just let the product and brand speak for itself. Like, mm-hmm. I don't need to, like, do all that. Yeah. But, yeah, so, anyways, uh, it was a tough period. Like, it, this, is, this is probably, like, late now or mid-2017. Yeah. So fairly recent. So this is, you were telling me before we started that like this right now is one of the most challenging points in the whole 
career of the Jason Mark brand. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. But you know what? I'm grateful for that shit. Like mm-hmm. you have to experience that shit. Yeah. Because if you, if you, if you don't, mm-hmm. then you're just going to like, it's going to get you. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Like, and you don't know how to like you. Okay. You have to experience it, but you have to get out of it. Obviously. Mm-hmm. Like if you don't, then you're, you're done. Yeah. Right. So if you can experience that, then I think it's one of the best things that can happen to you. Mm-hmm. Only if you can get, figure it out and get out of it. Yeah. And we're, we figured it out and we're out of it. Nice. So like now I just feel that much stronger and wiser and like, uh-huh. you know, um, it's like surviving like an earthquake or like a hurricane. Like you got to yeah. know how to, yeah. it's got to hit you yeah. and then you got to know how to brace yeah. and then get out of it. Oh, 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 one, and you know, one example that I, it's kind of like cheesy, but it's true. Like, if, you know, when you're in high school and you fall in love, mm-hmm. right? Like if you've never, if you know, you're, an, you're a kid, you, there's that chick and you're just like, dude, like I'm so in love, like yep. da, 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 right? If you've never had your heart broken, mm-hmm. like, like, like that, <laughs> that, like going forward as an adult, as a young adult, like you kind of, you kind of need to know that shit yes, yeah. because if you just go through life and you never have a relationship and you never have your heart broken, right? Like, good luck, bro. Because like, if that happens you, to you when you're like 45, yeah, you're, <laughs> you're <laughs> but yeah. yeah. So like, I kind of liken it to that. Uh-huh. You know, you got to kind of get beat down yeah, and then yeah. you got to come up stronger. Right. You got to learn real quick. You got to learn fast. Mm-hmm. You got to figure it out. And then you just got, you just got to, you got to do it, you know? Yeah. There's a lot that goes on when owning and running a business. With Jason, we heard about the slow rise of developing his concept and then the multiple wins with key shops and dream collaborators. A lot of this may come from rubbing shoulders with amazing people, having dope dinners in faraway exotic locations, but the real work doesn't happen at the parties or from what you see on the gram. The real work happens when no one is watching. Those countless hours Jason did packing orders in his garage, those all-nighters at a trade show, that is where wins are born. And as Jason said, no success story comes without some L's. He gets very real here about his need for more structure and more funding. And when his brand left the door ajar for the competition, deep-pocketed companies started taking a bigger slice out of the market share. All businesses are going to face these types of challenges. Some last long, and some you come to realize aren't even a blip on the radar. But how you react and course correct is important. Being in the position to react isn't the bad part. It's not being able to create a plan to get out of your predicament. That's when it gets bad. As Jason pointed out, for his particular business, he knew that he had six months to turn things around. If he waited 12 to 18 months, he might have lost everything. So, I want to speak about being proactive versus reactive. I think I always tell people, especially that I work with, there is a need to be proactive. It doesn't matter what stage of life, work, or business you're in. Being proactive is critical. It's difficult to get far in life when you're only thinking about what's already hit you in the face. Think about the back, the front, the top, the bottom, the whole 360 degrees. If you're in creative, think about what it's viewed like from finance. If you're in finance, think about how marketing will see it. You don't have to master everything, but you need to be aware of it and at least consider it. It's natural that the ideas come fast and furious when launching something new. And don't get me wrong, 
I think that's the priority and that the vision is what everything will revolve around. But always remember, there's a reality that has to happen in order to keep your dream alive. Show me a visionary who's also a great ops person and I will show you a great entrepreneur. How big is the company now? Like how many people do you have now? We have about 30 or so. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. It's pretty amazing. And like, so what is the future behold right now? Uh, future's bright, man. Like we, you know, we came out of that struggle mm -hmm. um, and we, you know, we, we had, we have such an amazing uh network, uh, like partners and distributors, amazing team and staff here that, that, that never really doubted what was going to happen. Mm -hmm. You know, um, we've had amazing retailers yeah. that kind of stuck by us through all this shit. Like we, we caught a lot of shit, mm -hmm. you know, from everybody, but I think they, I think everyone truly believed in the brand and the people. Yeah. Um, and, um, and they stuck by us. Mm -hmm. I mean, you imagine a year or more of not shipping properly, you would think you're done. Yeah. And it says a lot about the brand that yeah, they, yeah, yeah, ready yeah. to take it back in. Yeah. I don't think they ever stopped. Mm -hmm. It's just that we couldn't, we supply. couldn't, <laughs> yeah, we couldn't supply, but they never said we're dropping you. Uh -huh. We're, you know, we caught a lot of shit, but they were like, yo, we, okay, well, mm -hmm. let's work this out. Right. And now we're in a position where, yeah, we, we had our quote unquote heartbroken and got beat up and, and we're, we're back. Like mm -hmm. we're super, like, there was ne there's never a day that I thought that the shit's going to go under. Mm -hmm. Like, the, you know, there's thoughts crossed my mind a little bit, but yeah. I wasn't like, oh man, dude, like I was never, I just always believed in us. Uh -huh. And, and, um, and I think everyone else here did too, yeah. you know? And, uh, unfortunately, like through all the, that situation, like I had to make some, some, you know, changes and, and things, there's some shitty things that I had to do, like with, you know, laying people off or whatnot, yeah. which was like the hardest, one of the hardest, the hardest thing that I've ever had to do. It is, yeah. Ever. Um, what was the height of your head count? Uh, it was like 38, 39 at okay. one point. So, yeah. You had to lay off like about it's 10 people the or math. so. Yeah, it's yeah. like eight, nine people. Right. Um, which was heartbreaking yeah. because these, these guys and girls like did not deserve that shit. Mm -hmm. They... You, you know, they're a, uh, what, you, what do they call it in a war? Like, uh, they're like the collateral damage mm -hmm. of it, right? Yeah. Like, it's not their yeah. single handed fault, but yeah, it's not anything they did. Mm -hmm. It's not like, oh, your performance was whack, so I right. gotta fire you. Right. It was like, yeah, like this is really tough, mm -hmm. but um, it had it, it, it had to be done, and yeah, um, and the other changes as well, just restructuring all the type of things. We right. brought in some, um, brought in some outside help, which mm -hmm. is something that I would. I would, for the listeners, would, you know, recommend if you're ever caught in a situation, mm -hmm. don't be, don't be a, um, ashamed to like ask for ask help. Ask for help. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, all right. Cool. I mean, what is one bit of advice now that you would give yourself if you could like sort of look back at your career and be like, you know, you should do this differently, Jason? Probably like just have the proper like, um, essential like structure in place mm. like, like don't do it like i did it like um have fun yeah right of which, course. You did, which he did oh uh, yeah absolutely <laughs> and still am um but 
you're running a business, so like make sure that you have a proper accounting department. Mm-hmm. Um, you have a, a bookkeeper. You have legal. You you know yeah. just those things that like every proper business should have mm-hmm. in place. And you will if you have that, and they're in there, and it's like legit. Um, you'll you know you'll uh, you'll have less you know problems. Yeah, yeah. But you have it now. Just do it earlier, maybe. Yeah, yeah. yeah we're good. <laughs> we're good now. We're super solid. Um, uh, we just—it's it, amazing. Yeah, like just it, take care of it earlier. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, cool, man. Well, thank you for your time. This was awesome. Yeah, thanks, Jeff. Yeah. Appreciate it. All right, later. Hey, thanks for listening to this week's episode with Jason Mark. As always, you can find out more about the show and listen to other episodes at hypebeast.com slash radio. You can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. I personally use Anchor FM. Also, please do me a favor and leave a raving review and comment to tell us what you think of the show. And also tell a friend about the show. And if your friend happens to be every single person on social media, well, feel free to share it there too. It definitely helps a lot. We occasionally answer listener questions on the show, so if you have a question, shoot it over to me on Twitter. I'm at Jeff Staple. The Business of Hype is created in collaboration with Bright Young Things. You can check out their work at byt.nyc. Our director is Daniel Nevetta. Our audio engineer is David Rogers-Berry. Our associate producers are Sydney Pacumpra and Christina Hong. This episode was recorded at Sibling Rivalry Studio and on location at the Jason Mark headquarters in downtown LA. I'm Jeff Staple, and you've been listening to The Business of Hype on Hypebeast Radio.